Snap Wilson, quarterback draw on third and 15. 20, 15, 10, oh, he's going to go! Five, touchdown, Cougars! Down the lane, back to Yo. Yo on the arc, shoots a three, and scores it. Yo, the Childs for three. You're right, putting a shot on goal. It is a goal for least Blake. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. And now, here's Greg Rubel. Hello and good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Great to have you back with me from inside Studio 2 with the BYU Broadcasting Building on the Brigham Young University campus in Provo for another edition of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, our weekly hour of Cougar conversations with BYU sports personalities past and present. I am your host, Greg Grubel, and we are coming to you across the country on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. In northern Utah, we are heard over the air on 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD2. We are streaming live online via byuradio.org and the BYU Radio app. On demand, you can hear us by subscribing to our Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast or by visiting our show page at byuradio.org where you can listen to our show archives. This week, on the week of college football's traditional National Signing Day, I visit with BYU football player development and on-campus recruiting coordinator and former Division I soccer goalkeeper and assistant coach, Tasha Bell. Tasha with me in studio. She'll be followed by one of BYU basketball's best-ever big men, Brandon Davies, who joins me on the line from Lithuania. We start tonight with one of the newest members of BYU football head coach Kalani Sitake's staff. She's a former soccer player and coach, a return missionary, a one-time aspiring marriage and family therapist, and now she finds herself, somewhat unintentionally, working in the high-profile world of Division I football. Her name is Tasha Bell, and she joins me in studio tonight behind the mic. Hello, Tasha. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, we'll start with the president and then kind of work our way backwards a little bit. Uh, how do you describe your job on Coach Sitake's staff and uh, do signing periods and this week make your life any crazier than normal? Yeah, the, I would say there's kind of two sides to my job when I describe it. There's the two sides of it. And for sure, the recruiting side is it's a big part of it and it's very important. Um, I don't know that signing day in particular makes my job as crazy as much as the recruiting season is really busy for us. So, you know, we've been doing official visits, lots of official visits, lots of unofficial visits the last couple months, and it's been pretty busy. Undoubtedly. Uh, You are from northern Utah, right? Uh Uh-huh. What were your growing up years like from a sporting perspective? Yeah, so I went to Davis High School and uh, the darts, so the the best mascot in all of Utah, right, as well as the, the colors. Brown and gold. So brown and gold, yes, <laughs> exactly. Proud alumni of Davis High School. So um, I grew up in the era when you could play, you could do a little bit of everything, you know, so just my parents were, I mean, we had to, I shouldn't say we had to, but we went to the, the Utah Symphony, we had tickets there, and then went to sports things. And so we were able to do just a little bit of everything and um, played kind of more recreationally, I would say, until, you know, in junior high, then you started to get more serious about things. But nowadays, especially in soccer, you know, I mean, you could be committed to a school by the time you're in junior high. So it's changed a little bit, but that was kind of my, my growing up was just doing a little bit of everything and just having fun playing and enjoyed it a lot. When did you, when did you start uh, zeroing in on soccer? Um, I, Let's see, I would say, oh man, this feels like a long time ago, Greg. <laughs> I, for sure in high school, you had to start kind of narrow things down. So you had to start making decisions because in high school, you know, the seasons overlap and different things like that. So probably like ninth grade year going into, going into high school. Were you always a keeper or were you a field player and then kind of gravitated toward keeper at some point? Um, yeah, I, I, I played out on the field a little bit and then I think... I got slower and everybody else got faster <laughs> as far as covering distances, you know, keepers, goalkeepers kind of have a different quickness, you know, the more, a little bit more agility component to it and that sort of speed. But, um, so I love playing on the field. In fact, even now I kind of joke, like when people ask me what, what position I played, I tell them midfielder. Cause I think in my head, that's like my dream position. That yeah. would be the ideal position. But anyway, so then, yeah. And in addition to that, I think, um, for better or worse, sometimes maybe, maybe girls don't have the, if you haven't been playing other sports, maybe the hand-eye coordination isn't there, you know? So I had been playing soccer or basketball and volleyball and, and baseball and softball and, 
Um, so I, I could catch a ball. So I think for a lot of girls on my team, that was like, well, you can catch a ball, you'll play goalie, you know? So did you like it though? Yeah, I did. I did. I liked it growing up. I don't, now when I play, I kind of shy away from it mostly because I'm old and I have bad shoulders. (laughs) So they'll come out of their sockets if I play there now, but Davis uh, viewed as kind of a uh, a girls' soccer powerhouse. Yeah, especially recently. They've had a lot of great success and done really, really well. You know, when I was there, we, we didn't win any state championships or things like that, but we had a great time and did well and had a lot of fun there. So BYU currently has at least one Davis star uh, on the team. Yes. She's on mission right now, of yes. course, in Olivia Wade, but then yes. brother Jesse is playing basketball for uh-huh. BYU, too. So there's some Davis, uh, so, so some Davis start representation right now with yep. us. Yeah. Uh, you went to Utah Valley uh, University as a keeper, right? Uh-huh. Uh, your decision to go there, and then we'll get into your decision to uh, take a year and a half off at a certain point. Yeah. Um, so I actually had had a pretty, I had shoulder surgery. Right after my senior season. Anyway, so, um, I, yeah, so I was actually kind of on the fence about college and what mm. to do there. I'd been accepted to BYU just as a student and kind of had was thinking about going that direction. But, you know, it was kind of a, a late and last-minute switch and just that, you know, this is an opportunity. I might as well give it a try. And so that's where – that's what happened. End up at UVU, and you're a keeper there. And I think you – didn't you – you got you got three seasons in before you left on a mission. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So you're, you're relatively late into your college career at that yeah, point. So definitely. maybe you could uh, give us some insight into, into the decision-making process, having gone three years and then leaving to go on a mission. Well, I hope, uh, I hope now assistant coach Brent Anderson is not listening to this because <laughs> this was – I think I gave him a heart attack when I decided to go um, – so we had just finished our season. It, we were coming into um, November, and so for soccer, that's you know you're really kind of wrapping up your roster. You're maybe looking doing one more look at a couple a couple girls as you're going to um, the Surf Cup over Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know, for recruiting. But really, your roster's wrapped up, and you're you know what you've got next year, and so. The the other goalkeeper had decided she was going on a mission. We knew that. She, we knew that all through the season. She, you know, she had made up her mind a while ago. She actually got her call um, to Washington D.C. as we landed at Washington D.C. for a game that weekend. Hmm. So that was kind of funny. But anyway, so we were uh, a couple of us were hanging out in coach's office and we we're just chatting about her mission and you know who was going to go and all of that and. One of them asked me, like, Tasha, would you ever go? Would you ever serve a mission? And my my answer, as it had been, I was already 21 at this point. My birthday's yeah. in October, so I was already 21. And my, my answer had always been like, oh, I don't know, maybe, we'll see, you know. And um, And Brent got real serious real quick, and he said, if you are going, I need to know by Monday. And I had no, I was not thinking about it at all, really. You know, I hadn't really been pushed that direction. So I think that was like a Thursday. And, um, I, I, I think I put it off until Tuesday, but, you know, went home and did the the things we all do when we're thinking about missions and prayed about it, talked to my parents about it, fasted about it. And a month later I had a mission call. So I, you know, so Brent, he, he made it happen. So it's his fault, you know, he was, but then he was a little short on keepers. So anyway, but. I blame him for it. So, so Brent, we're talking about Brent Anderson. Yes. Uh, was then the head coach at UVU, is now currently, as you alluded to, the assistant coach to Jen Rockwood here at BYU. Um, so you, you did come back after your mission, and I you did. went uh, Chicago Spanish-speaking. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. So you did come back, and you kept playing for him. Yeah, so it was, uh, I think the first session I worked out with Brent was, I'm sure he was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? You know, this is going to be rough, but it actually worked out really well. It was one of my favorite seasons. Um, we, I think we won the conference championship that year and just had a great year. It was a lot of fun. So, and then once you were done playing, he went ahead and hired you as an assistant. Yeah. So I had, I think I, I don't know how many credits I took in my bachelor's degree, but it must've been like 120 or something like that. Cause I took, I think I, I did about six years of school in five years because I did summers and I just kept changing my mind on my major. So anyway, so I had a fifth year, um, you know, I was out of eligibility, but it was still doing school. And so started kind of as a, a student assistant there. And then after that year, our assistant coach was leaving. And so it worked out. 
he eventually lost you as you decided to pursue um, uh, more educational goals elsewhere. Yeah, you headed you headed to the Midwest at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I did I did my master's degree. I kept coaching on a more part time basis with them, and um, and uh, did my master's here at BYU actually, and then and then yeah, decided to. You know, they say you can't have three degrees from kind of the same area or the same school. And I had U, I had UVU and BYU, and my professors here at BYU were kind of encouraging me to, to go somewhere else so that I could potentially come back here and, mm-hmm. and be a professor here at BYU. And so I started exploring programs and found my way out to Minnesota. Minnesota. And, yes. and tell us what you studied and how you kept uh, involved with soccer out there. Yeah, so marriage and family st- therapy was still working on that degree, a PhD now, and <laughs> I continue to work on that degree, maybe not as quickly <laughs> as I would like, but that's okay. Um, and then as I was applying to programs, it was really important to me to keep soccer in there and to keep working on that side of my that side of my professional life. And so as I went out to interview at these different programs, I also met with the soccer coaches and set up meetings with them. And um, I I would say that my decision was more based off of the academic program, but certainly the soccer opportunities were part of it. And so as I was at Minnesota, met with uh, Coach Golan and and her team, and they're awesome. Had a great, great three seasons there and really enjoyed it. Won a couple of Big Ten championships mm-hmm. and just really had a great time. So, so you clearly you've had the bug for a while. Apparently, you, you yeah. can't really leave the leave the coaching thing alone here in soccer. Yeah, yeah. yeah despite my prof- I think all of my professors have had a conversation <laughs> with me at one point. Like, what are you doing? You know, this is a full time deal. And but they've actually been really supportive. Uh, my uh, professor professors here at BYU and then my my chair and advisor at University of Minnesota. Um, they've just been so awesome and they understand they see that I'm really passionate about this other side of my life and there's so many similarities between being a therapist and being a coach Mm. that um, I'm sure a lot of times coaches feel like therapists actually (laughs) and therapists feel like coaches you know so they've been very supportive and I've just you know had a had a great run with with all my professors so how and when did you run into BYU AD Tom Holmo how did that come about (laughs) that is a great question I actually it was in January and I actually was out, I was back in Utah for a little bit. And, um, there were some opportunities that I was exploring on campus at that time. And so had a conversation with him about some of those opportunities. And, um, they, so while the opportunity that I was kind of talking to him about didn't come to fruition or didn't happen, uh, I was, you know, he reached out to me a little bit later about different opportunities. So when we come back, uh, Tasha Bell comes back home, if you will, and uh, joins Kalani Sitake's BYU football staff as our conversation continues. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel. You are tuned in on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, and the BYU Radio app, along with 107.9 FM and 89.1 FM HD2 here in northern Utah. More with Tasha right after this. Listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. I'm visiting with BYU football player development and on-campus recruiting coordinator Tasha Bell. Before the break, we talked about a uh, a chance encounter with Tom Holmo, BYU AD, that uh, kind of changed your career path. Uh, how soon after meeting with uh, with Tom did you get a sense of what Kalani Sitake was after? Because that's where you ended up. So I kind of I kind of talked to Tom, and I think it was January. It might have even been December. And then in March, he reached out to me through a mutual friend of ours. And um, and when you say March, this is just March of last year, March right? Of last year, yeah. so not even a year. Yeah, yeah. And so my friend called me and said, "Hey, I think you should apply for this job." You know, Tom mentioned your name, and I think you should put your application in. And, and to be honest with you, I laughed. I just I I thought it was kind of funny and. I thought they were kind of just saying, isn't this funny what Tom thinks you should come and do? And um, they said, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. You need to put an application in, and it's due tomorrow. So you're, you were attempting to get a doctorate in marriage and family therapy. Yep. You've been a soccer player and coach. This uh-huh. is a football gig. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I laughed, you know. <laughs> I, my friend knew kind of where I was headed, and um, I, 
you know, I kind of felt I love coaching soccer. That's been so much fun for me. Um, I went back to school because I knew that if I got married and had children, that that just that would be tough for me. I really like being home. I'm kind of a homebody. That's part of you know why I think I was hesitant about serving a mission. I just really like being home and being with my family and that sort of thing. So then I did this education that I felt like, oh, this will give me you know my undergrad was in psychology and you need a little bit more with that. And so I thought, okay, I've got these two really good options, and I'll I'll see where those go. And you know, my friend knew that, but they still encouraged me to apply for this football job. And so. Um, it's later in my, in my marriage and family therapy pathway, I got connected and into some sports psychology type situations. And so I guess you could kind of call it a minor in, um, it wasn't an official minor, but an unofficial minor in, in mental strength training and kind of the sports psychology world. And I'm also now working towards a certification in what they called certified mental performance coach. Okay. And so when I met with Coach Tatake, I, I happened to be out here for general conference, was vis- visiting with family, and so they weren't cri- quite ready to do the formal interviews yet, but they said, hey, just come come chat with him for a few minutes. And I did, and um, man, it's a special thing he's got going on here. So again, I went into that kind of meeting or interview fairly skeptical, I would say, just I'm a casual football fan. I know enough to know that, you know, you got you have four downs and got to get 10 yards and seven points and three points and those sorts of things. But I, I couldn't really break down positions for you or things like that. So, but when I met with coach Tatake, we just, we were talking culture and leadership and change and all these different things. And it was just such a cool conversation that I walked out of there like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that staff. I want to be a part of what Coach Shiitake is putting together, and let's go. So Okay, you've hinted at it a bit, but some deeper first impressions of Kalani yeah. Shiitake. What are they? He loves his players. He loves his players, and he's committed to helping them have a great experience here and a great life afterwards. And so every point that I that he brought up or I brought up, I was like, man, deep down, that is my coaching philosophy. That is my, that's the way that I want to live my life. That's the way I want to coach my athletes. That's the way I want to help my clients in my therapy, you know? And so just a good, a good guy who loves and cares about his athletes and somebody that I wanted to work for and I want to be a part of his staff. So, so clearly Kalani wasn't purely looking at football street cred with right. this job <laughs> not at all <laughs> I have none I have none so hopefully that doesn't surprise anybody but yeah I have none like I said HR is like this person has no football you know <laughs> this is soccer so yeah so he wasn't he was looking for um well I don't know what he was looking for you'd have to ask him I can't speak for him but my impression is um a little bit of a, a different touch on the recruiting where we're not just focused on the X's and O's and being able to talk to the athlete, but also Mm -hmm. being able to talk to the parents and the families and to the other side of the athlete who's maybe worried about moving from home or, um, or has some questions or different things like that. And so that's part of what I'm here to do. And, and as we talked, you know, I said, Hey coach, there's this other side of my life that's really important to me. And and I want to, I want to keep developing as a certified, you know, mental performance Mm -hmm. coach and all this stuff. And so that's where the player development side comes in. You were a little self-deprecating when talking about four downs and 10 yards, et cetera, (laughs) et cetera. But clearly there has to have been a lot of learning, I guess, that you've uh, undergone in this last year, just about that part of it. I mean, you're you're involved in meetings where you get to really broaden your horizons from a sporting perspective. And that's had to be a kick too, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's been awesome. I've actually, maybe I shouldn't admit this on air, but... I've listened to you pretty religiously and also to BYU Sports Nation and just been learning as much as I can about football and our team and uh, from any source that I can. And so, yeah, it's been really fun to see the ins and outs of a football program and to be on the sidelines and to see the coordination and the just the intelligence and the sheer amount of work, you know, I mean, our coaches are here day and night and that is not just a figure of speech. That is literally, they are here day and night and there's their game planning and scheming and our athletes are here day and night as well, just working so hard. And so it's been really neat to see the back end of football and the strategy and the, the planning and the, the, 
you know, some of those sorts of it that you just don't, you know, like I said, as a casual fan, I'm watching a game and like, oh, that's cool. But Mm -hmm. to see what goes into it, it's pretty impressive what these what these guys do. So you've gone through a first recruiting cycle now for yourself. Uh, Your one year anniversary is still coming up here (laughs) at BYU. Uh, You have to have high hopes for the future. There was a bowl win to finish off seven and six. There's an incredibly tough schedule coming up in 2019. Yes. Uh, These are all motivating factors. How pumped up are you right now for where things are with Kalani in this program? Man, so excited. It's, it's trending in such a great direction. It's a, it's just where we want to be, where we need to be. We had a great recruiting season. I think the coaches feel really good about it. We're really excited about it. Our early signing period, you know, many of those, those signees have been announced and what a, what a class. So excited about that. And then excited to continue to celebrate the ones that have, that are signing now. Okay. Uh, you didn't attend uh, BYU necessarily as uh, uh, like a full-time undergrad, right? UVU exactly. was, yeah. Yep. So now that you've been around it and you know enough about it, what makes BYU special that you're able to um, share with uh, recruits, their families, et cetera? Yeah, that's a, uh, it's even as I was here as a master's student, mm-hmm. I'm in what's called the, the Taylor building, which is kitty corner to the creamery. So it's basically off campus. So I have not prior to being here, I just really hadn't spent that much time on physical campus. Even now when we give tours, um, a lot of times I'll have my student give the actual tour because they know all the buildings and all the ins and outs mm-hmm. and all these things. So I'm still learning even some of the building names and the abbreviations and all those things. But I think particularly, well, all our all our athletes are just so committed to so many different parts of their lives. They're not just athletes. They are um, they're faithful people. They are ambassadors for the school. They're dedicated to doing service, to seeing people outside of themselves. We just actually did a really awesome international fireside through Skype. Through it, hmm. Well, it wasn't Skype. It was, I don't know which platform we use, but through one of those technologies. And it was one of the most powerful things I've, I've been, I've been to. And so we set it up with a football player, a soccer player, and a, a cross country player. And we called a, a couple stakes in England and we had a fireside. And so here these, these student athletes are on a Sunday afternoon at 1130 because 1130 our mm-hmm. time is 630 in England and they're there and they, they had prepared, they had spent hours in preparing for these talks you could tell. And so it's a, it's a, I think the awesome thing about BYU is that there's such a focus on developing not just a whole athlete, but a whole person that is well-rounded, that cares, that sees people outside of themselves, that that they're aware of what's going on, and they jump in and help at, at any time. Okay, you're busy enough these days, but relative to your own well-roundedness, what are your off-campus interests that keep you busy? Well, it should be my dissertation, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's been kind of pushed to the side a little bit. So now that now that our recruiting season is wrapped up, that'll be kind of my focus for outside of that. But I love being with my family and um, just getting outside, being outside, and haven't been skiing enough this season. But you're a bit of a runner. I can, uh, yeah, I like to run. Yeah. My family's kind of. I don't know what we are. We kind of. My brother's kind of gotten us into running. He's. Um, yeah, so we kind of have to tag along with that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it's been fun having you in uh, tonight and chatting with you. I'm glad things are going to ease up a little bit, and then you can get into your dissertation. Yes. Uh, it's good talking with you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. My guest has been BYU Player Development and on-campus recruiting coordinator Tasha Bell. And when Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues, it's a conversation with former BYU Hoopster Brandon Davies right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, org and the BYU Radio app. Back after this. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel and this evening's Catching Up with the Cougars segment brought to you by BYU Alumni. Want to help BYU students but don't know how? You can with BYU Alumni Chapters. Find the chapter that fits you at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. And tonight... It's my conversation with one of BYU's very best ever all-time big men, Brandon Davies. 
A two-time state champion from neighboring Provo High School, Brandon started his BYU career in 2009 and helped BYU to its first NCAA tournament win in some 17 years during the big dance of 2010. Over the next three seasons, BYU would play in two more NCAA tourneys, advancing both times, and one NIT with that run ending in Madison Square Garden. Brandon finished his BYU career in the top 15 in career scoring, top 10 in field goals made, top 10 in free throws made, top 10 in rebounds, top 5 in blocked shots, top 10 in games played, top 10 in double-figure scoring games, and top 5 in overall victories. Upon leaving BYU, Brandon spent the next two seasons playing in the NBA, followed by a prosperous professional stint that continues overseas. And it is from Eastern Europe, where Brandon Davies joins me tonight behind the mic. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Really well. Update us right now, if you don't mind, on where you are currently and your current professional playing situation. Um, right now I'm in uh, Kaunas, Lithuania. Um, I'm playing uh, for it's a EuroLeague team. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's been I've had a really good season. It's my second year here. Um, I, I started off here last year. We had a really good year last year, too, so... Um, re-signed, and you know that's how that's where things are at right now. People who follow you on social media know that uh, your club has done very well indeed. It looks like you're in a pretty good situation. Yeah, right now it's uh it's crunch time for us. You know we're in the it's you know we're trying to trying to make the playoffs, of course, again. So um, right now it's we have some crucial wins that we got to get to to make sure we're in that top eight. Let's go back to life in Utah County, if you don't mind, and take you back. How long did you live in Provo? Um, I grew up in Provo. I've lived there um, basically my whole life until, you know, after college where, um, you know, I moved to um, Philadelphia where, you know, I was born. I lived in L.A. for a little while and um, then went to, you know, Brooklyn and before coming overseas. How do you look back on your days playing for Coach Drury at Provo High School? Man, it seems seems like forever ago, but, um, you know, high school was, was a lot of fun for me. You know, I played with um, some also, you know, really good Cougars there as well, the Collinsworth brothers. And, um, you know, it was fun to, um, it's fun to look back and, you know, see how far I've come from there. Just not just, uh, you know, basketball wise, but, you know, physique wise and everything like that too. Was playing with uh, Chris and Kyle, uh, an attractive thing to you? Did you guys all talk about that, about being together? Were you kind of all making your own decisions and it just kind of turned out that way? Um, I mean, it, it, I think it kind of just turned out that way, you know, it was something we always like talked about, but, um, you know, it was, I was always at their house, you know, in, in high school and, um, me and Kyle were, were, you know, were, were best friends. So, um, it was, it just kind of happened, but you know, it's, we, we both were kind of sitting and waiting to see, you know, where Chris was going to go. You know, he had multiple offers from, from different schools, but you know, he kind of set the, set the tone and we just kind of followed his footsteps in a sense you won uh, state titles as a sophomore and then a junior and came close as a senior right yeah my senior year if I remember right we were undefeated all season and lost in the state championship game <laughs> you you were playing right across the street of course from BYU uh, but how hard did coach Rose and BYU have to work to secure your commitment how open were you to other situations and why ultimately was BYU the right call for you Brandon um yeah it was being re- recruited was was something that was you know new to me I just kind of BYU was I think the first uh, actually I think Utah State was the first school to really look at me but that was Coach Jury's best friend was Stu Morrill, who was the head coach at the time. So, mm. um, um, but then you know BYU came in, and you know um, it definitely helped that Chris was going there, and um, there was um, that being my hometown as well. Um, it was that was all very you know looked really good to me. But um, then as I got better, um, the next couple of years, I think um, that's when I had a got an offer from Cal Berkeley and. And an offer from Gonzaga as well, and um, those were those were really you know that, I narrowed it to my top three was you know BYU, Gonzaga, and Cal. Um, ultimately, it came down to you know wanting to stay close to to my mom and being able to help her out, and um, you know and also being a BYU fan um, made things a little easier too. Your freshman season was a thirty win season for BYU. 
Jimmer Fredette, Jackson Emery, Tyler Hawes comes in, JT is still there, Noah Hartsock, yourself, Mike Lloyd, Charles Abu. We go down. What a what a great team that was to come in with, right? Yeah, it was it was awesome, you know, and the I was I was friends with, you know, a lot of those guys when I while I was still in high school, you know, with uh Charles and Lamont and, you know, JT, they all kinda I was always there, you know, going to open gyms at BYU and um, hanging out with those guys a little bit, so I felt like I I fit I fit right in with the guys when I got there. And um, like you said, it was you know it was if you you know just those names that you listed, that was a lot of powerhouse names there yeah. at BYU. We get all the way to the NCAA tournament, and I think you remember at the time, Brandon, the narrative was you know BYU gets there, but they never you know they they they, they never get a win to move on, and. You guys played Florida in Oklahoma City in double overtime. You got that win. It was a big deal at the time. Do you remember just how big it was, the fact that BYU'd finally won a game to advance? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, on top of all that, I had the, you know, me being a freshman, it was it was like you dream of going to the NCAA tournament and, you know, just being there was surreal for me. And mm. then you add you add all the history of BYU and, um, you start to develop, you know, how important that is to the school alone. And, you know, that just kind of adds to the excitement and everything. And, you know, once you get that a win in that uh, environment, it's something that you never forget. I think back on the uh, Florida game, 99-92 in, over, in double overtime. And as good as different guys were in that game, uh, Mike Lloyd always jumps out to me in that one. Does that does he do the same for you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, he is. He was the spark plug for, you know, for that game. It's, you know, he's, I've, I've always loved like uh, his game. Like I said, he was one of the guys who, who was, you know, kind of took me under his wing when I first got there and, you know, made sure I felt, felt at home. And even though I was still in high school and, you know, as, as a freshman and everything, but um, he was, he just has one of those games where, you know, he's, you know how capable he is, but you, you never know when you're going to, when you're going to see the you know the extra step that he put in in that game. The season ended in the next game with a, with a loss to Kansas State in the second round. But did you feel that that you guys had really accomplished something? That things were really setting up for the next year? Was even though it was hard to lose that game, did you feel like uh, good things were still ahead? Uh, yeah, you know we had um, a lot of a lot of good guys still coming back, and um, you know we kind of um, we kind of gel. We had to gel as a team to you know, to get to that point. And, you know, that was a tough loss, you know, losing to them where we definitely felt like we, you know, they were, they were beatable. You know, they were, you know, we were right there with them if I, if I remember right. But, um, you know, it's not, it's kind of, uh, it kind of sets you up, you know, you, and you kind of take motivation from it to, you know, take it into that next season. And um, I felt like we, you know, felt like we did that and learned from that game. You guys went from a 30-win season to a 32-win season the next year. You opened up with 10 straight wins before you lose. I think it's 10 more right after that. Uh, Jimmer Mania comes into play. Uh, what are your most poignant recollections of, of just how wild and crazy that, that, that season went in 2010-2011? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for anyone to forget the whole, you know, Jimmer Mania thing. And, um, you know, we, us as his players, friends, and teammates, you know, we – we all got lost in it too sometimes, you know, <laughs> just kind of, just kind of enjoying um, where we could sit back and we could kind of joke with him about, you know, how people were, um, you know, worshiping him in a sense <laughs> and, you know, kind of, um, you know, just love to see him. There was, you know, kids in tears for um, just giving him a high five for, you know, people, people screaming cause he, he looked their way and, you know, it was just, it was like, a, you know, he was all, th- he was, one of the Beatles or something, you know, it was, it was a fun thing to see. It was an amazing run and you weren't able to finish out that season with your guys on the floor, but how proud were you of the run they went on to the sweet 16 and how important was it for you personally that you be with them as a teammate at the end there? Yeah. I mean, that was a very tough, you know, everyone knows that was a, you know, tough situation and um, you know, not to get, you know, too in depth with it, but you know, that was, that was a year that, you know, could have been, you know, the, the sky was the limit for that year. And, you know, I, I really wish I could have been a part of that, but, um, you know, something that, that really, you know, stands out the most about that is just how, you know, me going out and, you know, I'm not, 
I was I was having a pretty good season. You know, I'm not trying to say I, you know, I was, you know, something greater than I was, but um, just the way the team, you know, came together, not just for me, but, um, you know, we we went through that adversity together. You know, they had my back through it all, and you know, to see them, you know, even battle out wins without me, and you know, me being there to to witness it firsthand was was even more special than, you know, anything, anything else that year. So, um, you know, they just being, uh, you know, even the, the games that, um, like the game we lost, uh, um, but I remember most like the Gonzaga game and, you know, the, um, you know, uh, all the, all those NCAA tournament games where, you know, they were kind of, we, the system changed when I was out and, you know, they, they came together more than ever as a mm. team should. It is time for a short break. When we come back, Brandon Davies concludes his prolific BYU career and embarks on a professional run that continues today in Lithuania. When Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel continues, you're listening to it on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, the BYU Radio app, and BYURadio.org. More with Brandon right after this. Welcome back to Behind the Mic, brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Here's your host, Greg Rubel. We are back on Behind the Mic, visiting tonight with former BYU basketball player Brandon Davies in tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment. And Brandon joining us from Lithuania. Let's uh, pick things up, Brandon, uh, with your last two years as a BYU Cougar, 2011-2012. It was your first season and BYU's first season in the West Coast Conference. Uh, what did you expect from the new league, and what were the challenges of navigating a whole different conference after after having a really great run in the Mountain West? Um, yeah, it was it was a I think a learning experience, not just for you know the players, but you know the coaching staff as well. You know, it was kind of you have to relearn, um, you know, things to get called a little differently. You know, you go traveling, got to figure out the travel, got to figure out, you know, brand new places to play, you know, in, in the mountain West, there was, you know, places where you kind of knew what to expect and, um, you, you kind of got, you know, more comfortable in a sense, uh, as you could like on some of the road games, but a uh, new conference, you're going into new environments, not knowing what to expect. And, um, you know, it was, I think, in the you know the Mountain West, there was um, on any given night there was you know every team was kind of you know heavy hitters or you know it's hard to there wasn't really like you know three or four you know guys who did the same thing every year like uh, like there was in the West Coast and I think it kind of um, when we when we hopped in there we we I think we we had to earn our right to you know to be one of those top three teams that um, you know were competing. Um, for uh, for the title, you had a dynamic duo in the front court that year. Uh, your junior year, you were averaging fifteen points, eight rebounds a game. Noah Hartsock was averaging seventeen points and five rebounds a game. Is it fair to call Noah maybe underrated as a BYU Cougar? Yeah, definitely. I think he might be you know one of the, if not the most underrated player in BYU. You know, he had underrated athleticism, underrated range. You know, he's. Um, on top of that, he was, you know, he was a great, he was a great guy, great teammate, and um, he's he's even a, a great coach now. But um, you know, Noah's game was, you know, it's unguardable at times. You know, he's he's smart. He's you know, he thought the game a step ahead, and you know, I learned a lot from him. Um, um, just just as you know, being a teammate. But, but yeah, he's he's definitely underrated in my book. The NCAA tournament of 2012 is kind of a history maker. You were part of that team that found itself at down 25 to Iona in Dayton and came back for the largest NCAA tournament comeback win in, in Big Dance history. You get asked about it probably frequently because it, it was such a standout game. What stands out to you from that night? Like you said, being, being, down, <laughs> being down and coming back and making history for it is you know something that uh, you know, I can always tell, you know, my grandkids, you know, you know, unless, you know, it gets broken or whatever, but hopefully it sticks for a while. But um, it's a it's something that I'll never forget. And, you know, just the feeling of, you know, running on. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was we felt like we were we were out of it, but, you know, got got talking to each other, hyped each other back up. And 
uh, regain focus. And uh, once we got momentum rolling, you know, it kind of, you know, everyone, everyone started rolling. Everyone started playing harder. You, you didn't feel tired. You just felt, um, you just felt like, you know, this, the way things are going, we can get back in it. And, um, you know, we did, we battled back and, you know, I think that kind of, um, that kind of gave us a stamp of, you know, the identity of you're never out of the fight. And, uh, you know, we, we tried to, um, we can, we can try and use that to, to motivate, you know, the, you know, the next BYU guys or whoever looks at that. What were your expectations out of your senior campaign, which had a big three now of you, Tyler Haas and Matt Carlino? My senior year, was, I had to like focus on, you know, what I could, what I could accomplish for, for the future uh, coming back as a senior. You know, I kind of, I kind of tested the waters a, a little bit about just thinking of what could happen if I would have left as a junior. Um, but I, I just felt like there was more that I needed to learn about, you know, the game and, um, you, you, you're going to develop more that way. Um, in a, in a college sometimes, you know, everyone's, everyone's different, but that, you know, that's what I felt was the best for me. And, um, you know, so my senior year was just kind of, um, you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to become a better player, help my team go even further. But, um, you know, it was, it was fun, you know, and with that big three, we, um, we did everything we could. We took what some of us were still, you know, from those, the team, the previous team. So, um, we had, um, we tried to take what we learned from those previous years and, um, just help out the guys who were, who were with us as well. And, um, but yeah, my, that season was, was a lot of fun as well. A little bit up and down on the WCC ends at 10 and six and a tough tournament loss in Vegas to San Diego in the opening round. So you kind of had to sit and wait and wonder, uh, if you're going to be an NIT team at that point. And you were, of course, I remember that week cause it felt like a long week between losing to San Diego and finally getting back on the floor again. Do you remember that time? And then how special was it to actually, even though you weren't in the NCAA branded to go on a great run that takes you all the way to New York city? Yeah, that was kind of a like a, a down like dead period, you know, not knowing what the future entailed, and uh, we knew we would we would play postseason somewhere, you know. It's uh, sometimes you know there's other options besides the NIT, but um, you know just that that time of sitting there and knowing that we were on the fence, and um, you know we and the tournament the tournament in Vegas, you know, obviously didn't turn out how we wanted to, and. We knew we had more basketball in us. We knew we you know, had more fight in us than we sh- than we showed in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, in, in the, the the West Coast tournament, um, but to be able to get a get a chance to show what we could do in the in the NIT was something special. And I remember, um, you know, when it when the when it came out and we were, um, you know, we were in the mix. We were we were all excited and. Um, you know, it was like it was like we had a you know breath of fresh air, a second chance uh, at our season. You know, going to New York for the, for the first time was was kind of was something something I'll always remember too. You ended your BYU career and you went to Portsmouth, which a lot of good seniors do. You became the MVP of that tournament. You got an NBA draft camp and combine invite. The NBA experience you had there in the next two years. How do you look back on that? And tell us exactly where you ended up over those two years. Like you said, I went to Portsmouth, and you know, I thought I played played really well. I kind of played. Um, they they let me play a little differently than I played. You know, at, at BYU, they were you know I was playing more at the four and um, you know creating for others and you know being able to show my range a little bit more things that were gonna help me you know down the road. So um, I really felt like you know I uh, hit the ground running with uh, as far as Portsmouth went. You know, but. Uh, you know, think then I went into uh, the combine, and you know, just that was just uh, an unreal experience, just to see, you know, all the guys who, who were were ranked ahead of you, or you know, I felt like I was one of the guys who wasn't supposed to be there, who you know, I had to uh, fight and claw to earn my spot there, and um, you know, a lot of the guys, you you know, you can kind of say that. Um, you know, just because of the school they went to, they, they kind of get a, a easier run at it, but mm-hmm. not to say they're not great players or anything, but, um, you know, then I, uh, draft night, you know, I didn't get drafted, but, um, I got a call the next day. Um, I signed with the Clippers, uh, had a partial guarantee with them. Uh, so I, 
um, I drove drove myself out there hmm. um, on my birthday, and you know got everything got everything situated for um, the summer. Played summer league with them, and um, uh, ended up I was with them all through preseason. And um, last game of preseason, I got released and um, uh, got a call the next day from the Sixers, who um, wanted to sign me for you know. Um, I signed a, like a four year non-guarantee or something with them. And, um, you know, those, a contract in that state, in that, uh, in that moment in time, it's just, I didn't care what the numbers were. It could be, <laughs> it could have been $5. You know, I would have, I'm signing with the NBA team. You bet I'm going, you know what I mean? So, um, so I signed there, but, um, the, what the non-guarantee is, is that's, uh, you know, until up until the trade deadline, they could you know, they could just say bye, you know. So um, so every day was a tryout for me that, that first year in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, I ended up making it that whole season and um, and started started again in the, the second season and um, started playing well because I knew the system and was playing confident and um, was putting up decent numbers. And, um, you know, I, I remember the um, GM telling me I kind of, made myself worth something and you know he didn't say that as a knock to me but um to where i was actually um at the time where they were rebuilding and collecting assets they uh um there was i ended up getting traded to um to brooklyn um and it's kind of a funny story but being traded to brooklyn i was traded for uh andre karolinko yeah and i think two draft picks and uh, some money or something like that and I remember thinking like man I'm getting I'm get, getting traded to Brooklyn but uh, Andre Karolinko is he was one of the only guys who uh, when I would go to I went to jazz games when I was younger and hmm. watched him play and waited out in the in the snow freezing cold and he was one of the only guys who stopped his car and signed my basketball for me so <laughs> oh. it's, it's kind of <laughs> you're being story. traded for him exactly yeah. wow that's pretty <laughs> surreal isn't it yeah, it was it was that's something I you know I wrote down in my journal. That's that's something I even though I'll never forget it, but it was kind of a weird feeling. But um, at the same time, just I was like, man, this is one of the guys I watched, and I'm I'm getting traded for. Your last NBA team was the Nets, and since then you've been on a European journey, and you've been in France, you've been in Italy, Lithuania. How would you describe this journey you've been on overseas? It's been it's been a you know kind of a, a roller coaster, but at the same time, it's every year I think I've I take a lot of pride in getting better, and every year I think I've made a step and um, gotten put into a position where I'm you know on a on a better team and you know making more money and you know that's all you can that's all you can wish for you know if you're going to be a professional at you know at this and you know so just going you know I went to. I went to France uh, for about four months uh, before the the season ended. Then I uh, went to uh, went to Italy, had a had a pretty good season, and then I went to Monaco, um, which is the French league again, and then here in Lithuania for for two years. So um, yeah, it's been I've been able to see the world. Uh, you know, my family, my, my wife loves to travel, so um, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a fun, fun way of life. Last couple things for you, Brandon. You went from a five-point-a-game guy as a BYU freshman to 11 points as a sophomore to 15 as a junior to 18 as a senior. You went step-by-step step through four years at BYU. There are some BYU players lately who are leaving after sophomore years or junior years and not playing out all four, and it seems to be more, more, more frequent now. You were one of those guys, and there were so many with those teams you played with at BYU that rode the whole thing out. What's the value of being a four-year guy? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I had that mapped out in my head that, um, you know, and had my mind made up that every year I need to get better, and and where, where I where I'm going to get better is, you know, when I get more comfortable in the system, and um, then things start to show after that, you know, and I didn't I didn't really think of getting better as number wise, you know, I wasn't thinking, uh, Oh, next year I'm going to score this much instead of this much. It was just kind of, okay, I'm just going to work on 
everything and get better. And then everything's going to take care of itself after that. And, you know, when you're in a program like BYU, you know, you have the opportunity to, you know, build your way up if you're, if your mind is mind is set and your work ethic is right. And, you know, people can, I know um, some people can, you know, go different paths or, um, you know, it's not, doesn't really work for, for everyone. Some may say, but, you know, for me, that was, that was the best thing I could do. I don't see my career going any other way. And I just learned so much throughout every year um, at BYU that um, it was such a, every year was a crucial part of development for me. Finally, Brandon, if you could update Cougar Nation on your family life, who's in your family, and uh, if you'd be back uh, stateside uh, soon. Yeah, right now it's kind of, you know, we're only home a couple months in the in the summers, but, um, you know, we're, um, it's it's fun. It's fun to come home. I always come back and, you know, show face at, at you know, at BYU and try to play pickup with the guys and stuff. And um, right now um, it's just me and me and my wife. We have a um, little two-year-old girl and a little boy on the way who will be born here. So, um, so yeah, we're just kind of taking it, taking it as it comes. And, you know, we'll be home in, uh, in a couple months after this season. And your wife's name is? Lindsay Davies. And your daughter's name is? Zaley. All right, shout out to both of them. Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time out there in Lithuania. Uh, we still follow you and check out your progress on social media. Great to see the, uh, the success you're having as your game expands and gets better and better. And who knows what's uh, to come for you professionally, but it's been fun watching your ride. And really appreciated your time at BYU, of course, and, and your time tonight uh, behind the mic. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to hear from you. All right, that is Brandon Davies. My interview with Brandon was tonight's Catching Up with the Cougars segment, brought to you by BYU Alumni. BYU Alumni Chapters help students in need and spread the influence of the Y around the world. Stay connected for good and find your chapter at alumni.byu.edu slash chapters. Back to wrap up tonight's show right after this. Well, thanks for joining us on Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel this Wednesday, February 6th. And thank you to my guest this evening, BYU football player development and on-campus recruiting coordinator Tasha Bell and former BYU hoopster Brandon Davies. Next week, among my guests, another former Cougar hoopster, Jonathan Tavernari, joining me from Italy. My thanks tonight to coordinating producer Terry South. My name is Greg Grubel, and I thank you for joining me Behind the Mic on BYU Radio. Until next Wednesday, good night and go Cougars. You have been listening to Behind the Mic with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel. Brought to you by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the podcast at byuradio.org.